Joe Biden's in your house, as I say. He's, he's here. In my house, in your house. And we're getting hurt. And that's going to doom him because it's not going to reverse. Unfortunately, we're in for a year of pain. And um, it's because of Biden. Now, you can blame his advisors and everybody else, but it's him. Now, his advisors are idiots. And I'll get into that in a moment. So um, now what the Biden people are pushing is for this so-called reconciliation bill, which is the giveaway bill. So it started at $3.5 trillion. It's now down about $1.7. It'll get down about $1.4. Nobody wants this except the people who are getting the gifts from the government. They want it, but nobody else wants it. And with the inflation, um, it's almost making things worse even for the people getting the free money. So the Tax Foundation did a study. And it said that if this reconciliation bill passes, all right, the USA will then have the highest personal income tax rate in the world for the highest earners. That would be 57%. And you add in all the Medicare stuff and the Social Security stuff and everything, 57%. And New York State, where I am, you're going to tack on 8% sales tax for everything you buy. And then the income tax is hovering around 10% here. So I'm, I'm into 70% territory. So that is socialism. You take people's money that they work hard for, they earn. You take it away and you give it to illegal migrants who may have been mistreated. That's who you give it to and other people like that. There's going to be a revolt. This is not going to stand because independence are they're getting it now now the zealots and the far left people they'll never get it they want to tear down society i'll get to that in a moment so the highest tax rates income tax rates in the world would be 57 percent usa if this insane bill gets passed japan 56 percent japan but japan doesn't have state tax all right denmark 56, France, 55, Austria, 55, Greece, 54, Canada, 54, Portugal, 53, Belgium, 53, Sweden, 52. Those for the very, very highest level people. There are many of them in those countries because it's a quasi-socialist system. You can't make much money. And the people know if they, the more money they make, they're not going to have anything. So they don't even try to make it. I mean, that's how crazy it is. Um, Okay, so we learned today that October inflation is up 6.2% over last October uh, when Donald Trump was in office. Now, 6.2% year to year is a pretty big inflation jump. All right, and food is up 5%, all food. You want a steak, that's up 45%. You want all food, the average is up 5%. Fuel is up 59%. What's fuel? That's heating and cooling your home. 59%. So if you have a pool you want to heat or a hot tub or, you know, stay dry. Um, gas is up um, 30% uh, year to year. And used vehicles up 26%. So it, it's really incredible. Now, the gas, what brings that down, that number would be much higher if not for the southern states. Some of them have managed to keep 
the gas prices down. All right. But California, New York, where I am, they're hovering around five dollars a share. And the prediction is the gas prices, gasoline prices per gallon go up 50 percent. I'm sorry, 50 cents, 50 cents a gallon before Christmas. You imagine that? 50 cents. So what's really going on here? So the Biden administration knows all this and they go, oh, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It's temporary. Okay, and Ken Langone, founder of Home Depot, is on, I think it was CNBC today. And he goes, no, it's not. It's not temporary because there's nothing being done, nothing to tamp that inflation down. In fact, their government is spending more money, printing more money. That doesn't tamp inflation down. All right. And then the supply chain problems and labor problems. All of that makes goods more scarce. And when goods are more scarce, prices for them go up. When you're a trucker and you're paying 50, 60 percent more for fuel than you did last year at this time, then what you're transporting, the price is going to go up to the grocery store. This is fundamental. And I always say this, this time last year. Think back one year ago, the vax just rolled out. Trump was still president. He had lost, but he was still in office. Vax rolled out. We're in the middle of the COVID horror. I mean, a real tight grip of COVID. Were there any supply chain problems? No. Was there any inflation? No. Were there labor problems? No. People got where they wanted to go. They were paying even lower prices for food and fuel and other essentials. So you're telling me that in the middle of this horror of COVID, the government could keep things under control, but Biden a year later when COVID is subsiding can't? That's sheer incompetence. Now, when put yourself in the, in the Oval Office, all right, because I know a little bit about this. So Biden's there and, and he's got advisors coming in all the time and they, they got to tell him, hey, your poll numbers are going down. Inflation's going up. Supply problems are terrible. Blah, 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 blah. Now, you would think that like Clinton and Obama, when things went south for them, they would start to change. But they're not. Why? Because the transformational philosophy is more important than governance. Let me try to explain that. What Biden and the progressive left want to do is transform the country in three essential areas. One, the economy. They want to turn the capitalist economy into a quasi-socialist economy controlled from Washington. If you break the capitalist system, the free marketplace system, then the government has to come in. Number one, they also want to inject a green economy, environmental justice. That means that all research and development has to go to wind turbines, solar, all of that. As I reported earlier, the problem with that is that China makes all that stuff. So if you want to get it, you got to get it from them. It's not like we're setting up big plants here to manufacture wind turbines and solar panels. We're not. So 
the research, money, all of that's going to benefit China. Will it benefit us? I don't know. Who knows? Didn't benefit Texas last winter. The second is education. The transformational education vision is to turn the student classroom into a far left classroom. America is bad as it stands now, but we noble people, we progressives are going to make it good. But first, we have to clear out all the white guys, all the traditional American tenants, clear that out because they're evil. They oppress minorities. You got to do that and you got to buy into it, you seven-year-olds listening to this loony left-wing teacher. Transform education. That's already happened at the college level. My alma mater, Marist College, used to be a really vibrant school to help working class students of all colors. It's now a left-wing lunatic asylum. It is. I mean, it, it breaks my heart to say it. Georgetown, Villanova, Boston College, all of these schools founded on Judeo-Christian philosophy. Gone. That's stunning, okay? But that's what the Biden administration wants to do with the high schools, middle schools, and grammar schools. Third is to wipe out Judeo-Christian philosophy. All of it, even though our Constitution is based on it. Judeo-Christian philosophy is evil because it oppresses minorities. It led to slavery, okay, and all of the other terrible things. We got to get it out and replace it with secularism, where there is no higher power. We know we owe no allegiance to anyone but ourselves and the strong central virtue-seeking government in Washington. So it's short-term pain for long-term gain. The transformation can't happen until you break down the economy, the education, and the Judeo-Christian philosophy. That's the big picture here. That's what's happening. Now, does Joe Biden understand that? No. He's not smart enough to understand it. Are they telling him that? No. But the architects behind his administration, and the best example is open borders. You don't open borders, particularly in a COVID pandemic, unless you are trying to alter the country. That's what you're trying to do. So if you add all it up, everybody asks me, write letters, why, why, why? That's the why. That's the why. Now, they only got a year. They're going to get whacked in the midterms next November unless the dim-witted Republicans, and I'm dim-witted is the word, because they, they're not going to tell you what I just told you. Mitch McConnell going to tell you that? He doesn't know. They're dim-witted. They better come up with an overall philosophy and specific solutions. Will they? I don't know. I mean, I don't see any bright lights. 
I deal with President Trump a lot. We have a lot of discussions and he hears what I say. Okay, so this Thanksgiving is going to be more pain because you're not going to be able to get what you want to have the traditional dinner, which is fine with the progressives because they don't like tradition. Thanksgiving's racist to them. Because those pilgrims, they wiped out those Indians in Massachusetts, right? So um, the New York Times, I'm not even going to bother, they say that everything's going to be more expensive and less available because of knotted supply chain. Why is it knotted? Wasn't knotted this time last year. High transportation expenses, that's because of gas, that's because of Biden. Labor shortages, that's because of Biden sending everybody money. Okay, that's why. It's Turkey, 60% out of stock right now. Turkey. And if you want to buy a turkey, you're going to pay about 25% more than you did last year, even if you can find one. Cranberry sauce, all right, 20% out of stock. So that means there's a 20% less supply there was this year. And um, again, that's supply chain, whatever. Uh, Yam, sweet potatoes, same situation. Pumpkins, um, 20% increase in the price of pumpkins. I got a pumpkin outside my house, left over from Halloween. Maybe I'll mash it down. I don't know. So this is all because of Joe Biden. And I don't know how many people are going to sit down at Thanksgiving dinner and go, you know, we ought to be thankful for the president, Mr. Biden. Are you going to do that? I'm not going to do it. I don't want to be a mean guy, but I'm not thankful. I'm not. He's a disaster. All right, our pal Sean Spicer, he works at Newsmax. He did the program at 6 p.m. He was former spokesperson for Donald Trump, as you know. He's got a new book, Radical Nation, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris's Dangerous Plan for America. He's doing very well. So I'm reading the book, and uh, I get to Chapter 3. And the first paragraph is pretty illuminating. I want to put it up on the screen. I'll read it to you. Spicer writes, quote, a little after 5 p.m. on Inauguration Day, President Biden entered the Oval Office for the first time as president, seated himself behind a resolute desk. There, in a space of 20 minutes, he destroyed women's sports, slammed the brakes on America's economic recovery, eliminated thousands of jobs, made American families poorer, opened American borders, angered our ally Canada, and gave a huge gift to America's worst international foes, including Russia and communist China. All in a day's work for the president, who a few hours later had pledged, I will be a president for all Americas, by placing his signature on 17 executive actions he had sent America careening far to the left. So I am pretty perceptive, and I didn't know the time frame was so intense. But 17 executive orders in, uh, you know, a short period of time. So joining us now from Orlando, Florida, where the Trump um, O'Reilly History Tour will be on the 12th of December. Spicer, you better show up to that, by the way. It's on me. I'm, I'll copy you. I, well, you don't need I'm actually camping out. That's why I'm here. Oh, yeah? I'm getting in line. I want to be first in line. I, well, so, you, you know. I got you. You can do the little uh, what do they call it? The barbecue outside before the tailgating thing. But anyway, it's going to be quite a show. 
Um, sure. In fact, you know a lot, but the stuff that we're going to get into, you may not know. Well, if so, it's half what that, what that monologue was, I mean, I'm sitting here taking notes. I didn't know about that executive order, and I, I do this every day. I work in the White knows. House. I, I, yeah, but I mean, I feel like I could write another book based on what you just said in the last 17 minutes. Well, that's my job. <laughs> you know, my job is to, to kind of uncover the facts, not to just spout off about ideological stuff. But anyway, look, the question, my first question is, Biden gets in. He's not an intellectual giant. You know that. Everybody knows that. He's not a thinker. He's a pal. Um, yep. And all of a sudden, he's got 17 executive orders. They had to be written for him, right? They had to be prepared for him. This whole strategy had to be unfolded. He gets in. He's got the pen. Bing, 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 bing. That's how it went down, right? Yeah. But look, I, I want to dovetail off something that you just said because it plays right into this. These guys, you and I are probably the only two people on this page that any normal Democrat after the beating that they took last Tuesday night would have said, we got to tack back to the middle. We got to triangulate. We got to stem our losses from the upcoming midterms. These guys realized that they have 12 months left to make what I call a radical nation in the book happen. And so they're going to do everything they can to jam things through in the next 12 months. And that's where I think that, that the folks on the right don't get it, that they think that these guys are going to go, oh my gosh, we, we got to mend our ways. In fact, the opposite. They know they're losing the House, so they're going to double down on everything left. But here's the other point that I want to make that you touched on. Joe Biden and the and these folks are trying to become, as I state in this book clearly, the most progressive president ever. Bill, it's not about accomplishment. That's the thing that people have to get through their head. What Joe Biden is doing through the people that he appoints and the policies that he proposes is to go down and cement a legacy as the most progressive president ever. That's it. He doesn't want accomplishment. He wants legacy. And he knows if he appoints a bunch of firsts, the first female woman of color to be vice president, the first LGBTQ secretary of transportation, that the left will love him forever because he will have all of these firsts. Not the most qualified, not the most accomplished, but they check the ideological woke boxes. But the strategy is doomed to failure and he's not smart enough nor are his advisors to know that because the thumping that the Democrats took last week has now made a guy like Joe Manchin much more powerful. All right, because oh, he yeah. saw that the folks don't want this agenda. And he knows, as every politician should, that the deciders in the general elections, whether it be governor or senator, congressman, or president, are now independents. And according to the USA Today poll, independents are now against Joe Biden seven to one. So if you go and you want to win and regain power, the Republicans have to court, not yes. their own crew. Don't speak to the choir. The choir is going to stay there. But you've got to say, we have a better idea. That's what I told Donald Trump. I talked to him yesterday. I said, look, you got to dial down the confrontational stuff. You don't need it anymore. You needed it to defend yourself against the bogus Russian collusion stuff that we saw. But now you just run on your record. Yeah. You put your but record you up against Biden's record. It's insane. I mean, it, it, literally, you go in 10 months, 
You've botched a massive withdrawal from Afghanistan. You've angered some of our most closest allies, whether it's Britain, France, South Korea, um, and and thrown the economy into a tailspin. Bill, I actually, you know, the funny thing is, I want to trade you a story that you may not know, but then again, I never want to. I don't know that I'm ever going to surprise Bill O'Reilly, but let me throw one at you. Um, about three weeks ago, we had the first ever repatriation ceremony that our country's ever held with another country. We uh, we sent over 38 service members from Korea and President Moon of South Korea flew to Hawaii to repatriate six service members from the United States. So as I said, President Moon lands there in Hawaii at Joint Base Hickam Pearl Harbor. And do you know who greeted him from the Biden administration? I don't. No one. No one. The president of South Korea flew over to the United States to repatriate six U.S. service members. We were handing back 38. First time in history ever occurred. And, and that, not mean, one that means that their remains were being sent back to each country. Did the governor I, of Hawaii show? I don't know. They sent a military officer to, to greet him. But I'm thinking to myself, it just it. it the, the, the lack of oh, they, they don't care. Well, I mean, see, believe me, Sean, if they don't care, the gas prices are strangling working class Americans. If they don't care about that, they're not going to care he, about Mr. Moon from South Korea. But the thing is, is that if you're not watching Bill O'Reilly or my show on Newsmax, the, and I have two chapters on the complicity of the media. They ignore that. No one covered that. No one's talking no one about the order right. that you just right. enlightened people because the media is running around saying Donald Trump's screwed. And then Bill O'Reilly says, no, not so much. Here's the executive order Barack Obama signed. But the problem is, is that this media that surrounds this president now is there to cheerlead for him and then cover up everything when he, sure. you know, any double the way you do that is January 6th and all that stuff. Now, one more question for you in the book again is Radical Nation, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris's dangerous plan for America. You have uh, a bunch of stuff about Vice President Harris. Why do you think her approval rating is 28 percent in that USA Today poll? That's shocking. I, I'm sorry. I don't think that it is. Number one, she was rejected by her own party early in the primary process, right? So the only reason she got selected, and I talk about this in the book, is it, is what I mentioned again a minute ago. Joe Biden wanted to be able to have a talking point. He wanted to be able to say that he appointed the first person, female of color, to be vice president. She's clearly not the most qualified. He's given her a bunch of tasks, you know, whether it's the border or all, and, and none of them have been done well. So, you know, the funny thing about 28%, is it's one thing to have the Republicans not like you, maybe even the independents, but it's her own party that has turned against her. That's how bad she is. So I, I think the problem is, and I talk about these other people in the cabinet in the book, that when you're choosing people based on the box that they'll check, whether than the qualifications that they have, you end up with people like Kamala Harris that get a 28% approval rating. All right, well, it makes sense. Um... Richard Nixon, when he uh, resigned from office, had a 33 percent approval rating. Kamala Harris is five under. Hey, Sean, thanks for helping us out. Good luck with the Newsmax program at six o'clock. See you, see we'll you on the 12th. Uh, yeah, we'll see you in Orlando, Florida on December 12th. And we'll talk again soon, I hope. Thank you. Everything is expensive these days. You know that the government is printing trillions of dollars in consumer prices higher than ever. 
If the government continues its printing and spending, the dollar could continue its freefall and lose its coveted role as the world reserve currency. Let's hope that doesn't happen. But there are a few things you can do right now. American Hartford Gold can show you how to protect your money, your retirement, your hard-earned savings against inflation by helping you diversify a portion of your portfolio into physical gold and silver. Start with a short phone call, and they can have physical gold and silver delivered right to your door or put inside your 401k or IRA. So please call or text them right now. Tell them Bill O'Reilly sent you. Call 877-444-GOLD, 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD to 65532. Again, that's 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD to 65532. Okay, let's get to the Durham investigation. So, wrote a column entitled Corruption. I hope you've read it. If you're not, it's posted on BillOReilly.com. And I lay out what I think happened based on the facts, and nobody has challenged the facts. So Durham started his investigation on October 19, 2020. So now it's two years plus. He was appointed by Attorney General Barr after it was clear that Mueller couldn't find his whatever in whatever. Okay, so Barr put Durham in charge. Very slow going. Very slow. Everybody, including President Trump, thought there'd be something out by the election. No. But now it's starting to come out. So there have been three arrests. Michael Sussman, charge of lying to the FBI. Sussman is a lawyer who was working for uh, the Clinton campaign. Okay. The second one uh, is Kevin Kleinsmith, another lawyer, worked for the FBI. He's charged of making a false statement, trying to get a warrant. And the third one is the Russian who was arrested this week, Igor Danchenko, who is linked to Hillary Clinton's campaign through a top advisor named Charles Dolan. So Danchenko is charged with false statements to FBI agents. So they've got three. But where does it go from now? So our go-to guy in the Durham investigation and other federal matters is Brett Tomlin, joining us from Salt Lake City. So I have a simple question because I'm a simple man, as you well know. What do you think happened here? So we're starting to see. I'll tell you what I, what I think happened. I think you have individuals at the highest level in the Clinton campaign, and uh, you have you know, the lawyer that represents them. You have individuals that are connected, you know, Washington, D.C. Is, is all about your connections. And I think they hatched a plan, and that was to eliminate an up-and-coming candidate and to do so in a way that w- w- would basically, in essence, obliterate any chances of getting into the Oval Office. And so you see now Durham starting to uncover the layers um, that have occurred. But, you know, Bill, keep in mind, this this investigation, I think, was probably pretty stagnant until uh, John Ratcliffe, the then director of national security, released thousands of documents, many of which were declassified, and he gave them 
to Durham. And he gave them to Durham. And that's when I think he's finally started to uncover the lies and the deception. And their angle was to re-interview a lot of individuals that were that were involved in the in the uh, you know the Russian conspiracy theory, and to catch them in lies. And they weren't able to do that until they had those documents from John Radcliffe. Okay, so the new documents they had, they could match up to what the people were saying to the FBI in interviews. And it's a federal crime to lie. So you got three fairly low-level people here. And it looks like, and I said this in my column, that the Clinton campaign concocted and financed this entire Russian collusion myth with the help of the media. The media wanted to believe it and then ran wild with it without investigating anything. That's what I think happened. So then where do we go from here? Well, I think you're spot on. And remember, the FBI is also part of that. At the highest level, they knew they had Comey. They knew they had individuals that would would give the benefit of the doubt, even when they they <clears throat> the documents that Radcliffe turned over clearly indicated that the intelligence community did not buy some of the uh, accusations and and the you know what they were being fed. But setting that aside, where do we go now? There are thousands of documents that have not been declassified that Durham has right now that he is going through. At some point, I hope they will be de declassified. According to even you know those that are in Department of Justice, John Ratcliffe has even said so publicly, they believe there will be a number of, of other indictments to come as a result of the information that they do have. Now, John Ratcliffe has been very clear to say <clears throat> he thinks, like you, it goes all the way to the top. Hillary Clinton paid for it. They knew that it was going to happen. So the question is, how much will they be able to uncover and how high will it go? But you identified correctly, these are lower levels. And the reason he charged them first is to apply that pressure to get them to talk about others. Is it possible that Hillary Clinton didn't know the specifics of this and was being told, hey, this is true. Trump colluded with the Russians and we have to get it out. Is that possible? It is possible. It's possible that her handlers were going to keep her in the dark in terms of what the plan was and just indicate to her that they were going to go with a, you know, a, a, a company like Fusion GPS that does opposition research. Um, and she authorized it. Now, that's possible. Why, why that's not been um, believable is the level of in, uh, involvement that Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton have shown historically. And the individual like Charles Dolan had access um, to both of them, was very close in both of those campaigns with Bill and Hillary. Okay, so I... I don't believe they're going to get Hillary Clinton. She, she skated on uh, Whitewater. She skated on Libya. She skated on her server, her, which she destroyed government property as Secretary of State. And you would have to have somebody testify that he or she told Hillary Clinton, this is fabricated. It's not true. Should we go ahead? That's what That's it right. would take. I'm not sure. But, yeah, you're exactly right, Bill. It, it, it would take somebody 
that has very good evidence that she knew and she went forward anyway. And, and it would take someone like, you know, at the at the highest levels in her campaign that had credibility that could articulate that. And then even then, you know, um, it's going to be tough for somebody to pull the trigger on taking down Hillary Clinton, uh, you know, even with that. So I think you're right on that, unfortunately, because I think she did know this is this is something that you know, is authorized and planned, and it shows you the level of deception that these campaigns are willing to undertake. Now, um, Durham, U.S. attorney, special investigator, works for Merrick Garland now, appointed by Bill Barr, but Garland's the attorney general. Garland, I don't think, has any heart for this, right? Right. I, you know, I think he... He unfortunately probably felt like he needed to allow this. Now I'm being told by you know my colleagues in the Department of Justice that uh, Garland has indicated to those inside the Department of Justice he's going to let this see you know see its way through and let Durham finish his investigation. We'll see if that's the case. Is if well, he good. climbs the ladder on the campaign? Yep, that's I, good. I think he has to because if you kill it now, then you get into Richard Nixon territory, firing people who. Are getting That's right. more close to the truth. <laughs> uh, final question. The corruption involved here, I state in a column, if it comes out that the Clinton campaign, with or without Hillary's knowledge, did this, I think it would be one of the most corrupt things that's ever happened in American politics. Trying to subvert a presidential rival, and then it carried on over through when Trump was elected, it didn't stop. Uh, and they used it to try to hammer him in his first year. And it's an enormous scandal. Do you hear about it on the uh, on the nightly news, Brett? You do not hear about it and you don't hear people trying to connect the dots or even articulating that the, the reason this is such a big scandal and you're right about that, Bill, is it involved the highest levels of government as well. You had use by the FBI of FISA warrants when they knew they didn't have credible information to base them on. You had Comey and others briefing uh, Obama and Biden at the time. You had intelligence community that also had to participate. So th there is nothing like this in our history. No. Uh, and, and I'm glad that you're pointing it out. Yeah, I mean, it really is big. All right, Brett, stay on it. You get anything uh, on the inside, let us know. We really appreciate it. Stay well out there in you Utah. Bet. I'm Mike Slater from the podcast Politics by Faith. This is a crazy time in our country. It's stressful, a lot of anxiety, and it's going to get worse. And I realized that one of the things that helps me take away the stress is realizing that there's nothing new under the sun. So on this podcast, we take the news of the day, and we run it through the Bible and other periods in history to realize that we've been through this before and we can rise above again. Politics by Faith, anywhere you listen to the podcast. Politics by Faith. Hey, this is Vivek Ramaswamy. The media has systematically lied to you. The Hunter Biden laptop story, the origin of COVID-19, the Trump-Russia collusion hoax, or how your money's being spent in Ukraine. Enough already with the lies. No more lies, hard truths only. That's what the Truth Podcast is all about. It's not standard conservative talking points. If you want that, go somewhere else. But if you want the hard truth delivered to you in a way that challenges you and will challenge me intellectually, you're not going to find anything like this on the internet. 
Subscribe to The Truth Podcast today on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, here's a story that I don't think you're going to see many other places. So the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms has accumulated information on about 55 million Americans who own guns. By law, the ATF is not allowed to intrude on your gun purchases, okay? Now, when you buy a gun, the sale is recorded and background checks are done, but if you are clear, that's it. They don't store it. But the ATF has stored 55 million because there's a loophole. The loophole is if the gun shop anywhere in the country goes out of business, it has to send all its sales records to the ATF. Why? Because if a gun is used in a crime and it's traced back to a store that no longer exists, then the investigation is hampered. So this is a law. It's a law in the books. Gun shop goes out of business. All the data goes to the federal government. So now they're up to 55 million and they want more because I don't believe in a slippery slope most of the time, but I do believe that the progressive left, if it got, you know, power in both houses and the presidency would try to ban guns. Now the Supreme court would overturn that. They wouldn't allow it. However, the damage that the federal government can do putting you in the enemy category because you have a gun could be substantial, like an IRS audit. They do that, believe me. Okay, and on that subject, the uh, three panel, three judge panel, federal judges, have stayed Biden's crazy order to mandate vaccine for all businesses employing more than 100 people. So that order that Biden signed is now stopped because the three judges say, hey, it looks to be constitutional violations, which there are. But the Biden administration isn't stopping telling private business to do it. Here's the Biden spokesman. So I want to be really clear as well is that the Congress empowered OSHA uh, with through a law, through a law that has been in the books for more than 50 years. So this is an authority that we believe uh, that Department of Labor has. We are very confident about it, confident about it. Okay, so what she's saying is there's a law that gives the federal government a right to regulate safety in the workplace. And there is. But. And that's what they're using. So she's saying we're going to win because that law is on the books and OSHA, which is in charge, the agency in charge of private business and making sure that the business doesn't exploit people or hurt people. um, We're going to win this. Well, so what? Maybe you will. But you don't defy a three judge panel. They did the same thing on the remain in Mexico policy, which was stopped, as you know, but they're still not bring a massive amount of people back to Mexico. So all this is going to play out probably to the Supreme Court. It just shows you they don't have any respect. Um, They don't have any respect at all for 
the American Constitution. The Biden, and he doesn't even know it. I mean, if you were on my program and just let's debate the Constitution, Mr. President, you think he could answer any questions about it? No. And he'd probably say, well, Barack Obama didn't know much about it either. <laughs> that would probably be his answer. All right, this is an interesting story. California's COVID rate is now twice that of Florida. Y'all know that Newsom out there, the governor, has had, you know, very strict COVID rules, mandates for everyone. And Florida is laissez-faire, okay? They don't really want, there's a law against mandates in Florida, COVID mandates. And California's COVID rate's twice that of Florida. Interesting, right? Uh, so you know this guy, Van Morrison, brown-eyed girl, moon dance. He's had a few hits, kind of a crazy guy. Um, he is uh, 76 years old, lives in Northern Ireland, Belfast. And, and he's being sued by the Northern Ireland government. Now, this isn't the Republic of Ireland. Northern Ireland is attached to London, part of Great Britain. So Morrison is an anti-vaxxer or something. And he's very outspoken. And he's attacked the health minister, Robin Swan. Okay, and Swan, using government money and power, is filing a defamation lawsuit against Van Morrison. Here's Morrison's reply. Um, I decided to, to have a look at him. Um, and um, the reason why I'm saying he is dangerous um, is, is I'll give you some, some clues to why I'm saying he's dangerous. Um, and this is specifically to do with Northern Ireland, specifically about Northern Ireland, I'm speaking. Has too much control over our lives and jobs. Uh, he has too much control over running people's lives and means of support. Too much control over um, uh, medical conditions as far as like hospital and uh, people saying loved ones. I think Morrison wins that suit. I don't think he's going to um, lose it. Could be wrong. Northern Ireland's a very strange place. Believe me, I spent some time there in the, the time of the troubles. Okay, here's the final thought. It's an easy one. You got to get away from the madness. You know, there's a lot of political intensity here. The country's not in a good place. It's not. So the reason I've set up BillOReilly.com is because it's one-stop shopping. You don't have to watch all the propaganda on uh, television. All right? Now, if you want to, sure, go ahead. But it gives me a headache, and it makes me depressed sometimes. I'm, I'm going, what is this? Here, it's fact-based. Here's what's going on. If you check with, in with us every two days or so, you'll know what's going on. It, uh, it, and it, we have it all organized for you. It's such a good convenience to have it. You stay on top of the news. Stay on top of what's happening. Don't get caught with uh, no turkeys, okay? But at the same time, you don't have a massive migraine. So this weekend, I'm going to get some fresh air. I'm telling you, I'm going out. Look at the leaves. Leaves are still changing. It's crazy here in the Northeast. But you got to get away sometimes. You have to get away. 
Thanks for watching. I'll file a column on Sunday at noon, and we'll see you on Monday.